It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all You know what they say, a little better late than never. Welcome to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy. We're here until 6.15. That's right, we've been shifted a little bit. We're on my wife's time is what we're on now. You tell my wife we got to be somewhere at 4 o'clock. She is not even out the door to get to the car until 425. And I can say these things because she's in Florida not listening. She's busy working. I can say <laughs> I can say whatever I want. But uh, everybody in the entire family, her friends, everybody knows there is a Brenda time. That everything goes on her time if you want to be 20, 30, 45 minutes late. So if you ever actually want her to get to an event at the actual scheduled time, have you ever lied and said? Yes, we have. We've told her that things that start at 430 start at 4. <laughs> to try to get her there on time. Got to uh, do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. You know, it's what it's like me and my golf game. If I can't <laughs> fix the slice, I just have to aim further left. <laughs> Same thing with her, of course. And, and much like me, it's uh, when I... When I aim to the left, I hit it left, especially if there's water to the left. I guarantee you, I will somehow I will avoid the slice only when I aim really far to the left. <laughs> and my wife got it the same way. When we tell her a fake time, what happens? It's the one time in eternity that she's actually ready on time, and we end up getting somewhere really early. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so welcome to the show. The uh, yeah. Sports Rush Brenda edition uh, today <laughs> as we go uh, up until 615. Of course, our Parkview Sports Medicine text line, that's still ticking. You can always weigh in on the show at 46862. Your thoughts about today's Big Ten tournament with a couple of upsets. Uh, Got to consider them upsets. Ohio State has struggled all year long, and they're, I, you know, they're trying to maybe make up for a disappointing season. They've got freshmen on the roster that uh, that are growing of age, so to speak. Uh, but Ohio State moves into the quarterfinals. They'll take on Michigan State next up. That game tomorrow, in fact, will be on right after the Ohio State-Michigan State game. And then you've got Rutgers knocking off Michigan. I don't know if that was that big of an upset. Uh, maybe perhaps just because of the way the two teams got to the tournament, Rutgers had been struggling of late. Michigan wasn't necessarily tearing it up. But uh, unfortunately, our buddy Brian Bush, who was just on the show a couple days ago, uh, his tournament run is over. And now the question is, is Michigan's season over? You know, some of the some of the power conference teams, they don't they don't care to go to the NIT. 
You know, they, they feel like that's kind of a pacifier for failing at what the ultimate goal is. And every Power 5 team wants to make it to the the uh, the NCAA tournament. But uh, Michigan squarely on the bubble after a loss to Rutgers today. And uh, didn't Brian Bush tell us he thought it would take two wins in the Big Ten tournament for Michigan to feel comfortable about where they're going to be come Selection Sunday? And uh, now they're sitting there. After a 62-50 to 50 loss to Rutgers and Rutgers trying to build their tournament resume, and actually the team that may take the spot away from Michigan might be Rutgers. Man, it's uh, we're already off to a crazy start here, I think, in the Big Ten tournament. You know, Hunter Dickinson had almost half of Michigan's points if we're looking at overall. I mean, he had 24-7 and three blocks, so... Certainly wasn't his fault, but yeah, I mean, Rutgers just came ready to win, and uh, I think they felt like they had more to prove in this game and in this tournament after losing six of their last eight in the uh, Big Ten regular season. This should serve notice to both Michigan or to Indiana and Purdue that you can't have one dominant player carry you. You've got to have other role players that step up, and whether you know that role player is a legitimate number two. Or if he's just somebody that's hitting shots, whether like for Purdue, if it's a Brandon Newman or if it's Fletcher Lawyer, it doesn't matter. If it's Braden Smith, fine. Somebody's got to step up, be a number two. Um, you know, Mason Gillis at times has stepped up and been that number two. But you can't do it just riding Zach Eady. And for Indiana, they can't ride Trace Jackson Davis all the way through the tournament, although I'm sure they would like to. And last year, of course, Trace Jackson Davis had a terrific tournament. And it almost was a little bit of a coming-out party for this edition of the Indiana Hoosiers last year during this Big Ten tournament. But, uh, yeah, so you've got uh, Rutgers playing Purdue tomorrow at noon. And then you've got the second game, which will be Ohio State-Michigan State. Game three will be the winner of the Penn State-Illinois game, which is due up next. That will be the one we join after we finish at 615 uh, that tips at 6.30. And then the finale for tonight. How about the Minnesota Golden Gophers? Yeah, the Gophers. They actually were pretty impressive. I thought they looked good. Uh, knocked off Nebraska, 78-75. to 75. I don't know what Rayfield Davis had to say about this one because that was when we had <laughs> when we had him on the show. He picked the uh, wild card. As yeah. the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, he was uh, the, the the Cornhuskers were their was were his dark horse. Yeah, the dark horse. I I took Maryland, and of course Indiana fans don't want to hear that because that <laughs> might be the team that Indiana has to play on Friday. I took Maryland as a team that I thought would maybe come out with something to prove. Well, we've already seen it. The teams that are desperate, the teams that have to make a statement in this tournament, so far have been the teams. We've seen win. Iowa, I think they feel pretty safe about their position, especially after getting the big road win against Indiana. So I think Ohio State clearly was the team that had something to prove. I mean, Ohio State's not going to make it to the NCAA tournament, but they're trying to make up for what is a disappointing season. Uh, you've got uh, Rutgers. They have to consider them squarely on the bubble. They're a very veteran team, and they stepped up, found a way to get it done against Michigan. And we've always talked about that Rutgers defense, that it can be suffocating with the length they have around the perimeter and uh, a rim protector inside. They pretty much handled Michigan easily, 62-50. to 50. Um, Ohio State got a nice win against Wisconsin last night. So Wisconsin, or for Ohio State, it's back-to-back 
pretty impressive wins. Wisconsin to start it, and I know Wisconsin was a 12 seed and it wasn't a, a traditional Wisconsin power, but uh, it's you know still for the season that Ohio State had that I thought that was a nice win. Maybe not eye popping or big uh, you know Cinderella story, nothing like that. But Ohio State gets the 65-57 win, and then less than 24 hours later comes back and beats Iowa. So already they've got two wins in this Big Ten tournament. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. Uh, expecting some snow tonight. Just a quick uh, public service announcement. Tomorrow morning, if you've got to get up and be somewhere in the morning, you might want to set the alarm. Maybe that 30 to 45 minutes extra early because you might have some snow to deal with when we wake up tomorrow morning. Depending on what forecast you want to believe, anywhere from one to five inches of snow could be on the ground when we wake up tomorrow morning. A little more snow during the course of the day tomorrow. And then it looks like Saturday will clear up, although it'll be a bit chilly. But I'll be heading to Logansport on Saturday for the Northside Legends and the Kokomo Wildcats. High school basketball hits your airwaves coming up at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. It is the 4A Regional, a one-game regional, as the winner of this game between Northside and Kokomo is going to claim a regional championship and cut down nets. Of course, the Wayne Generals will play at Logansport as well at 4 o'clock. We can't be on the air for that game because of our commitment to the Big Ten Tournament, but we will be on for Northside versus Kokomo. Join us for the coverage just before 7 o'clock on Saturday night here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Our high school basketball coverage all year long presented by the fine people of Indiana Physical Therapy. They're the ones that make it happen. I mean, we make the commitment as far as manpower, getting to the games, maintaining the equipment, setting up the equipment, all of that. But they're the real reason it all happens. So big thanks to Indiana Physical Therapy for their support of high school basketball all winter long. We just got this text on the uh, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862 uh, in regards to this upcoming weekend. They say, I demand a Brett Rump picture next to Flory Badunga. They want a a picture of you next to him. They think it's going to be embarrassing because I'll be so short. I wonder if they know that I already am 6'4", and if I stand real tall, I might be 6'4 and a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) I might might gain that extra quarter of an inch. Uh, What what did they say about, uh, yeah, we've we've made that comment before about me being a, a bigger guy. That's true, but yeah, and I, I guess think you did you call me wide when I said that last time? Something I, about being wide? You know, I might have said you you, you have a wide presence in the post, but horizontal, I mean that's a that's a horizontal, horizontal girth rather than I'm, vertical. Uh, I'm complimenting your defense in the post. You you have a wide presence. You really get side to side yeah. there and guard that yeah, guard I'm that the only, hoop. I'm the only guy wide enough to actually front on both sides <laughs> of the post man. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can do it. I'll, I'll, you know, John Peckinpah's coach of Kokomo, so I've got an in there. I think it would be a good social media post. And uh, if you think that that's going to embarrass me, that it's going to make it's going to make Flory look like he just towers over me, okay, fine. You know, I'm not, I post a lot of stuff that self-deprecating on <laughs> social media, so it's not going to embarrass me at all, but... Saturday night, we'll be there, and that'll be the big challenge, though, for Northside. You know, I can get a social media post. They're going to have to actually guard it, <laughs> and that's going to be the real challenge. My, my job to get a picture is not going to be that difficult. Their job to actually contain him and cover him 
because not only is he seven feet tall, but he's got like this seven foot eight inch wingspan. I mean, he he is. Yeah. Well, uh, what is he right now ranked in the country in that in his class? He's a junior this year. And I mean, he's had every game he plays. It seems like there's some big name coach sitting in the stands, whether it's Matt Painter, whether it's Mike Woodson, whether it's Bruce Pearl. Um, who else has been been there? Has Shire been there from Duke? Um, I, it just seems like a lot of the big time coaches are uh, are always hanging out, watching him play. I'm seeing uh, like two to four in the nation. So yeah, so, yeah. I thought it was number. I, I was going to say number three, which is what I heard. But yeah, just depends on the actual service whether he's two, three, or four. But <laughs> high up there. Yeah, <laughs> a pretty coveted recruit, and Northside will have the job of defending him. Uh, coming and you know Kokomo hasn't been perfect this year, and and the supporting cast is good but not great. And so we'll talk to Gary Andrews coming up later in the show. We've got him joining us about uh, about 30 minutes from now. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. You know, we're a little bit late, but there's still other news happening in the world of sports. Let's go ahead and get caught up and get today's top headlines. Well, let's rock and roll with today's top headlines. The New York Jets are becoming more confident in their chances of landing quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Sources close to the situation said today, the Jets' increasing optimism follows their meeting this week with the Green Bay Packers quarterback. Team officials, including owner Woody Johnson, general manager Joe Douglas, coach Robert Sala, and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, flew to California on Tuesday to meet in person with Rodgers. Why is it when you said sources close to the situation, did I, in my mind, picture Jersey Shore? The situation. <laughs> is that dating me? Is that a show? Now, I'm trying to think how long it's been since Jersey Shore was on MTV. That was, was around middle school-ish oh for God. early high school for me. Wow. I am really old. <laughs> uh, you know, this, this is a deal, though. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for either side. Really doesn't. I don't get why the Jets are so adamant on pursuing Aaron Rodgers. I mean, unless there's a lot of guys running around totally panicked that come September they're getting fired if they aren't winning games. Because it is such a short-term solution to a long-term problem. And I thought the Jets did some really good things in the last couple drafts and were on their way to building a really good long-term sustainable roster. And now I don't know if this is going to work. And who are the receivers for the Jets? You know, Aaron Rodgers' problem was that he had a lot of young, no-name, inexperienced receivers, and he didn't like it in Green Bay. And I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, is there anybody that I would know as a household name as a receiver for the New York Jets? Jermaine Johnson? Garrett Garrett Wilson? Garrett Wilson's okay, but... Uh, Anyway, next story here for you, Brett. (laughs) We got all day. Yeah. Bad news for uh, the Bulls fans here in the area. There's a growing possibility that Chicago Bulls guard Lonzo Ball will need a third surgical procedure on his left knee that would likely require another six months of recovery and rehabilitation. Aren't both Ball brothers having injury issues this year? Yeah. I mean, Lonzo's been out all year. Lamelo was back for a brief stint before being re-injured. You know what it is. It's that time they spent in those shoes. (laughs) One more for you here. 
USA Today's sports compiled pay information from each school in the Power Five conferences and from each school outside those conferences whose team has appeared in at least three of the last five NCAA tournaments. A review of those numbers puts Purdue's Matt Painter atop the list of men's college basketball's most underpaid head coaches. He'll make $3.58 million in total compensation during the 22-23 season, which is 21st nat- nationally and 6th in the Big Ten. Is that E-season? <laughs> this season? Um, here's what they didn't figure. It's relative to cost of living from where you live. And money in West Lafayette is different than money in Miami or money in Dallas or money at UCLA. In fact, uh, you would have to make probably two and a half to three times the salary in at UCLA just to afford a moderate house as opposed to Matt Painter being able to make that much less and being able to buy pretty much whatever piece of real estate he wants in West Lafayette. <laughs> and and that's the thing that's very relative because, and believe me, with me living in Fort Wayne, my wife in Fort Lauderdale, I see the contrast of what, you know, what how far money goes when it comes to housing. Down there, I mean, it's $750,000 to start to buy a house. And, and that's the starting point. I mean, if you want a nice three-bedroom suburban living in, uh, in, South, Mich- in South Florida, uh, it's probably a million bucks. Here, nowhere near that. So I would say that report, incomplete. Incomplete until they put cost of living into it as far as where the university is located. All right, that's today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Uh, just about the top of the hour, coming up in hour number two, not only do we have Gary Andrews, coach of the Northside Legends, we've got Duke to talk some high school basketball as well. And so what was it that went wrong with the Mastodons this year? High expectations, picked to be a co-champion of the Horizon League. I'll tell you exactly what went wrong with the Mastodons before everybody runs to say, fire the coach, because that's right. That's usually everybody's first reaction. Hold on, settle down. I'll tell you exactly what went wrong. And questions about the Horizon League tournament and how to uh, to make the tournament even better. Hey, I've got solutions. I'm going to be the commissioner for a day, and I'll tell you what we need to do to change the Horizon League tournament to make better for everybody. That's all coming up. It's a packed show up till 6.15. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the Sports Sports Rush Rush with with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Time to head home for Thursday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy. 
And you are connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Big day in the Big Ten as everybody seems to be playing some hoops today, except, of course, those teams that got the double by, like the Purdue Boilermakers and the Indiana Hoosiers. They have to wait until tomorrow. But already we've had Rutgers defeat Michigan 62-50. to And just before we came on the air, it was the Ohio State Buckeyes winning their second game in the last 24 hours, defeating the Iowa Hawkeyes 73-69. to And so Ohio State will advance to take on Michigan State in the second game of the day tomorrow. Rutgers will be taking on Purdue. Hmm, that might scare Boiler fans a bit because what happened this year? Rutgers knocked off Purdue. It's been kind of the Boilermakers' nemesis a little bit. And Rutgers, with that guard play, they've put so much pressure on you. Purdue's guards are going to have to step up. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, even Morton. Yeah, well, not to mention that we've already talked about how we feel like Purdue's already kind of complacent and could come into this game Easy. We're assuming that. Assuming we don't. We're concerned know. about it. We're concerned. We can't just say, "Well, they're complacent. They're just going to throw it in tomorrow." We don't know that, but it, it, they don't have a lot to play for. They're probably a two seed. They're probably not going up to a one unless they think about the UCLA situation, where one of their top players is now injured, and how will the committee view the UCLA Bruins without their defensive stopper? And uh, if they think that that knocks UCLA down a rung, then maybe there's an opening on the number one line for a team like the Boilermakers to make a statement move up. But you have to remember the Big Ten tournament, because it doesn't end on until Sunday, the brackets are done by Sunday. In fact, they've probably got a final draft of the brackets pretty well done by Saturday afternoon. Then they probably have dinner. Get a chance to get away for a little bit. Come back Saturday night, review all the brackets. Make sure they aren't going to have some geographic uh, situation or anything like that. Uh, and then and then by uh, Sunday, in case anything just drastically changes, they probably have already got almost everything ready to go. So really, it's only tomorrow and maybe Saturday that Purdue would have to prove their point if they want to be a number one seed. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Certainly starts with this Rutgers game, though. I mean, they got to prove that they can get past an opponent that kind of has shown them uh, struggles in the, before. Yeah, and and the problem is here, it's a no-win situation for Purdue. They're expected to win, so all that can happen by them playing is to to have something negative. Um, because if they lose, it's not going to be oh they lost to a really good opponent. Because even though I think Rutgers is a really talented team, they've got a lot of experience. Plus, now they've got the advantage of having played a game in the, in the tournament and get used to the, the sight lines, get used to the floor, shake any jitters you might have for tournament basketball. Uh, that's a huge advantage, I think. And I think that, that played well for Ohio State. They felt very comfortable. But um, we'll see what happens. Of course, we'll be on the broadcast tomorrow. What time do we go on? Is it 11 a.m. with the pregame show and then noon with the tip? I know. I, I was gonna say. I know. I know. Tip is at noon. I don't know when we go on with pregame. Uh, it is eleven a.m. Well, there we go. There we go. All uh, right. We've got it on our schedule. If we just took the time to actually look over my shoulder, we'd have known. Eleven a.m. tomorrow. Purdue Boilermakers basketball <laughs> from the Purdue Radio Network, and then after the Purdue post game, we join the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Michigan State Spartans. And they will be playing for the right to take on the winner of Purdue and Rutgers. 
so far tonight, we've got Penn State versus Illinois, which I think has the makings to be a really good game. We have probably a huge pro-Illinois crowd in Chicago. But I really like what Micah Shrewsbury's done with Penn State. And, uh, and so I think Penn State can play with Illinois. Of course, so far, if you're taking my picks for the Big Ten tournament, um, I'm sorry because I haven't, I haven't gotten much right. I can't remember. Did I pick Ohio State, Wisconsin? I copped out. I didn't take a pick in that game. I took Nebraska to beat Minnesota, and I'll blame Rayfield Davis for that pick because he got me convinced that Nebraska was playing so good. And, of course, I know Minnesota's not played well. That was a bit of an upset. A lot of people would have missed that one. But I think I might have taken Michigan. In fact, uh, yes, I did. I took Michigan to beat Rutgers. I took Iowa to beat Ohio State. So we're four games into this tournament. I haven't picked one right yet. Well, there's always the next one. I thought you were going to say something like, well, it's a typical week for you. (laughs) Are we supposed to be be shocked by that? uh, What's the problem? But, yeah, we had uh, Brian Bush, uh, and he said that he thought that this uh, Penn State-Illinois game could be one of the most important and exciting uh, matchups here in the start of the uh, tournament. If you happen to miss any of the conversations that we have on this show, we've had some great guests this week. You can always catch up by going to our podcast page. You can uh, follow us for free. And you can just go wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and then search for The Sports Rush with Brett Rump and uh, give us a like, give us a review, whatever you do on that page. But uh, you can always listen to some of the interviews that we have, including Brian Bush. We had Rayfield Davis both previewing the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, I think Rayfield at this point picked it about as well as I did. (laughs) And he's paid the big bucks by the Big Ten Network, so I don't feel quite as bad. But Coming up uh, tonight, once again, Penn State, Illinois, followed by Minnesota, Maryland, and you get all the action of every Big Ten tournament game right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. So this year did not go according to plan for the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons. We get it. I was I was into the hype. I was excited. I thought, man, there, if there was ever a chance where you had to feel good about the odds of making it for the first time ever to the big dance. Man, this was it. Experience, talent. They had it all. Uh, But uh, things didn't quite go that way. They ended up losing seven of the 11 losses in the Horizon League by single digits. They were in games, couldn't finish. They... uh, and, and if we go through and just say, okay, what was it about this team we were wrong about? Number one, we underestimated the value of the loss of Jalen Pickens from a year ago. Don's only lost one person, and they had the sixth man of the year coming in to take his place in the starting lineup. But the one thing that Jalen Pickens provides was something that was pretty exclusive at both ends of the floor. He was a wing stopper defensively. You could put him on the other team's best guard or wing player, and he pretty much took them out of the game. He was an excellent defensive player. Physical, strong, 6'5", athletic. He could take a player and you could say, you got him, now that takes him out of their offense. That was a huge, huge impact for the Mastodons last year to have a guy you could throw at a wing or a guard, and it didn't matter, 6'2", guard, Pipkins, 
Six six wing Pipkins. And the Don's losing Jalen Pipkins uh, couldn't be re- he couldn't be replaced. What he did defensively, the Dons were hoping that one of the guys would step up that was on this team. They just weren't good enough defensively, one-on-one, to be a lockdown defender against some really talented big guards and wings in the Horizon League. And the closest they could come to a lockdown defender was Damian Sean Kui, who was 5'8". Teams had it figured out. If Damian Sean Kui guards you... Clear out the side, back him down to the basket, and then just go over the top and shoot. You don't have to worry about him blocking a shot. He's not even going to contest a shot at 5'8". His skill was in stopping penetration. It was not in stopping a jump shot. And so you didn't have to penetrate. If you could back down uh, a guy on the low block without double teams or without isolation... And the Dons hesitated to double team when Damian Shanqui was considered their best defender. It just became a bit of a dilemma. What do you do when teams are shooting over him, backing him down? Do you go with the double team? We saw it against Wright State. Case in point, Wright State got Trey Calvin, who's only six feet tall. He's not even one of the tall guys as far as wing scorers. And he was able to back down Shanqui and then take a step-back jumper from the left baseline, about 15 feet out. He scored to give Wright State a one-point lead with three seconds left, and then Damian Shanqui came back the other way and hit the three-pointer to win the game at the gate center. But the Dons lost Jalen Pipkins, and nobody, I think, had it figured how big of a loss that was going to be. You return an entire roster minus one guy, And you've got a really good player to fill into the starting lineup. But it completely changed the identity of what these Mastodons were. We thought they would be a good defensive team. At times, they were good. But they just were never a great defensive team. And that's what they were at times last year when they were winning games. Nine, uh, seven losses in the Horizon League. By single digits. When it comes close, a defensive stop here or there can make a huge difference. The other thing, and I was just having this conversation with someone earlier this week. The Macedons didn't have that one guy that you could give the ball, clear out, and say, go get us a bucket. And that's the one thing that Jalen Pipkins also provided on the offensive end. Yeah, he wasn't a 20-point-per-game score. Averaged like 13, 14 points a game. But it's how he got the 13 or 14. When you needed a bucket and you had to come out of a timeout late in a game, down by two, down by three, and you had to come out and have a bucket, all you had to do was give the ball to Pipkins, clear space, let him attack. He was not only a strong guy driving it to the basket, he was excellent at finishing through contact. Even when doubles came over, he'd go right through the shot blocker and put the ball in. The Dons did not have that one-on-one guy. And I thought about this when I watched the two teams playing in the Horizon League Championship the other night because one thing that both those teams had was they had a guy that they could hand the ball, clear out, and let him just create his own offense. And what have we said about the Mastodons? Their offense was all about the pass, the catch, the shoot. 
catch and shoot, catch and shoot. Had to cut, make the catch, extra pass. This was a team that was really good on the catch and shoot. But teams were defending that. In other words, when the Dons would dribble or penetrate, they'd spray. They'd go pick up shooters expecting the Dons to pass it out because that's the way the Dons score offensively is on a catch and shoot. And so not having those one or two guys where you can just say, hey, late in the shot clock, hand him the ball, let him go get a bucket. And Jared Godfrey was a great scorer, all-time program leading scorer. But one of his strengths was not in finishing drives at the basket. Just wasn't a big physical guard. He's a tall, wiry guy. And uh, and so you saw two things with the Mastodons that really were glaring. And what it did, it may have cost you a couple of possessions on the defensive end, a couple of possessions on the offensive end. And when you lose seven uh, seven conference games, by single digits, those kind of things make a huge impact. Not being able to finish on some late shot clock situations. And then at the other end, when you force the other team in those difficult possessions, the other team just has to hand it to a guy, go one-on-one, and you didn't have your defensive stopper to take that away. That's it. That's my analysis of basically the whole season. Yeah, they didn't shoot quite as well as they did the year before. A couple of guys had some off years shooting the basketball. But there wasn't a lot else that was all that much different. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine, text line 46862. All right, so uh, last night, college basketball locally split results out at the Schaefer Center. Indiana Tech women saw their season come to an end But for the men under head coach Ted Albert, they're advancing to the sweet 16 of the NAIA. They get an exciting win last night. Really a a fun, entertaining, raucous night of basketball at the Schaefer Center last night. So congratulations to the Indiana Tech men on getting that win last night. Moving on to the Sweet 16. All right, we got to take a break because we've got Gary Andrews standing by. We're going to talk to the Northside coach. We also have Eric Dutukevich before this hour is up. But we have extra time today. We're on until 6.15, leading you up to the return of the Big Ten Tournament here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hey, today, great story. Went to Cruzy Automotive Service, stopped in there today, and happened to meet a customer who was waiting on his car who was getting an oil change, and uh, he actually was at Cruzy Automotive Service because, of course, they've got the oil change special that you hear about exclusively here on the Sports Rush. $19.90 full-service oil change for a five-quart regular oil change at Cruzy, K-R-U-S-E. Now, I asked him, I said, are you a, a regular oil, you a synthetic? He says, no, I'm a synthetic. I get $17 off. I'm like, yeah, that's it. You've been listening. $17 off if you've got synthetic oil, but that's already off a low cruisy everyday price. So you save significantly from taking it somewhere else. It's well worth stopping at Cruzy Automotive Service to get your oil changed. But what was the, the best part of it? is when I talk about going to Cruzy and getting the special oil change price, he said, I couldn't take my car anywhere else. My daughter told me, I got to take the car here. This was not an older guy. He's got a very young daughter. 
but the daughter must be sitting in the car listening to Sports Talk Radio because dad won't change the station for his daughter, won't listen to some Radio Disney or something. So <laughs> so anyway, he said, uh, my daughter, when I told her I needed an oil change, she's the one that said, you've got to go to Cruzy because you'll save some money. I'm like, man, that's a smart little girl already. Got to give her an A+, plus, whatever class she's in, A+, plus, because she's right yeah, it's just $19.90. Full-service oil change. Get yours at Cruzy. Listen to this guy's daughter, right? Got to go to Cruzy for the uh, full-service oil change, $19.90, or save 17 bucks on a synthetic oil change. That's Cruzy Automotive Service. They're on Lima Road, north of Wall and south of Till, right behind the Shell Gas Station. Call for an appointment, 489-1089. 489-1089 for Cruzy Automotive Service. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy. Coming up this Saturday, we'll be at Logan's Port as the uh, high school basketball boys state tournament makes it to the regional level, a one-game regional this year. And the Northside Legends will be taking on the Kokomo Wildcats. That game will be a 7 o'clock tip. We'll be there for all your coverage. Presented by Indiana Physical Therapy right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And joining us right now to talk about it on the guest line, Northside Legends coach Gary Andrews. Coach, congrats on the sectional title. Thanks, Brett. It's pretty exciting for our kids. Uh, you know, there's been some tough years at Northside. It's almost like when you took over that program, it's almost like uh, renting a furnished apartment and then getting there and finding most of the furniture is gone. Uh, it was It was a rebuild. At Northside, and that's not something you've gone through a lot through your coaching career. Uh, the hard times, that rebuild, having to deal with a, a younger roster, does that somehow make success taste that much sweeter for you now? Yeah, it really does. I mean, when I took over, we were we were horrible. I mean, I think the freshman team I played on when I was at Belmont could have beat our varsity in the first year. <laughs> I was trying to we be were... nice, Coach. I, I wasn't trying to go that far. <laughs> I'm glad you're saying it because, yeah, you had a pretty bad basketball team when you took over. We we really did. I mean, we they battled. They played hard. And the second year, we you know, we got pretty good by the end of the year. We got really competitive. But there was no talent. There was, they had a little controversy from the year before with some of their good players didn't get along and parents didn't get along. So it was a... It wasn't a good program to go head into. I mean, I doubt if I would have taken the job if I knew all the things I was getting into. But it does, like you said, it makes it more rewarding now that we've had the success and the future looks even brighter. Yeah, it was uh, almost like I said, the apartment had very little furniture. You basically said it was wiped out clean. They took the carpet and ripped up the cabinets because it, uh, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it, was, it was rough. But, you know, you haven't had a lot of those rebuilds. And like you said, you maybe wouldn't have taken the job. But facing that challenge, um, what did you learn about yourself as a coach? I think, I don't think I could have done it when I was younger. I think having the success I had when I was earlier in my career, in the middle of my career, just gave me the confidence that, hey, you know, we can get the things built right and it's going to take time, but... You know, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, and two years ago, we had a really good team. We won like nine out of our last ten and played Carroll. Carroll was really good that year. They had Jalen Jackson. We almost beat them in the section. I mean, it was a great game. We led a lot of that game and you kind of their experience and physicality kind of took over. And, you know, even last year, we played, KK breaks his wrist and we played Snyder, who ended up winning the section and Tay's high like 50%. 
and he has two free throws. We're down one with one second to go. I mean, he couldn't even move his wrist. I mean, he couldn't even shoot. I give him credit for even playing. So we were close the last two years. But, you know, and this year with all the injuries, you just go, I don't know what we can do. But we've gotten healthier here at the end of the year. And, you know, we played our best basketball of the year last year, especially against Carroll. Coach, what is the identity of your team as far as what you do when you play your best? Because, you know, I would have thought with your roster, knowing the guys you have and the type of of uh, players that you've got on that roster, that it would have been push the pace, try to get it as fast as possible, score 80-plus. Uh, but you've done a lot of your, your best performances on the defensive end. So what is this team about? I think our defense... We're able to switch everything. So we got a lot of kids about six three, six four. I think our defense when we play really well kind of carries us. And you know, we haven't scored in the eighties as much as I wanted, and I think a lot of that's just the injuries and you know, we're losing Jackson and Jordan Green. Those are probably would have been our second and third leading scores. But you know, we can score at times and we try to fast break a little bit. And you know, I think other teams really try to slow it down against us. They know we're really good in transition and you know, Kokomo likes to run, too, so it might be a game where both teams are really getting up and down. Well, Kokomo likes to run, but they also have a seven-footer that uh, does a pretty good job of finishing. How do you match up against Kokomo? We don't match up with um, number 40, their big guy at all. I don't think anybody does. I mean, he he reminds me of Sean Kemp. Probably not the sheer Sean Kemp was in high school, but probably better defensively. And he's just a great, great athlete. He runs a four. I mean, he's going to block everything inside, but we're better everywhere else. So if we can kind of double and triple team him and not let one of their other guys go off, and then if we got and if we can hit some shots, I think we got a chance to pull off an upset. You know that that's one of the keys. Is it seems like no matter what teams do against him, he somehow finds a way to get so close to the basket that it doesn't matter how many people are around him, he can go right over and score. Um, I know I've heard coaches talk about early work, that you've got to beat him down the floor, get to the spot before he does, and then keep him off it. That's probably a pretty important strategy or game plan, isn't it, to try to keep him off that block? It really is, and it's easier said than done because I mean, he's got those long strides, and he can really run the floor, and he plays hard. and He seems like just a good-natured kid. I don't see, I've never seen him really on tape get bothered by things. and you know, He's got to be really hard to stop, like you said, if we can maybe contain him to 15, 16 points, maybe even 18, but if we stop everybody else, I think that's the big key. Coach, if uh, I was seven feet tall, could score like he does, and know what the future was going to bring me as far as number of zeros on my paycheck, I'd be pretty happy-go-lucky myself, to be quite honest. <laughs> I, would, I agree. I agree. I would, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd have a worry in the world if I, knew I could be making all that money. It's just, it's just a one-game regional. Does that – I mean – Obviously, it changes the approach somewhat, but uh, what do you think about the one-game regional, take a title in one win? I kind of like it because, for me, or like the sectional, you know, you get all ready for Carroll, how we win Carroll, but, you know, that night then you got to start getting ready for Snyder. And you beat Snyder, you can't really enjoy it, you got to start getting ready for Northrop. I kind of like the one game where you can just kind of take a little break from the sectional and you just got one game, one team to worry about. And I think that's kind of... Gives you a little bit of breather, and I know we talked about it at the coaches' meeting Monday. The AD at Logan Sport, who's running the tournament, you know, they hosted the girls' semi-state. They talked to the girls' coaches, and that's kind of what the girls' coaches said too. It was kind of nice after the grind of the sectional to kind of just 
not saying relax, but, you know, only having to worry about one opponent a lot better than trying to get ready for maybe three. Speaking of having a singular focus, just kind of thought of this and want to throw this in at you real quick. Tay Johnson, obviously, is getting a lot of attention for his football skills. Is there ever a time where you feel like that can be a distraction where the attention kids get, whether it's in the sport of basketball or outside basketball, that sometimes that can be a distraction either to the player or to others on the team? I don't think with Tay it has distracted him at all. I mean, I think Tay's really good about, okay, when he's going to go visit for football, he visits for football, but when he's in the basketball court, you know, he's really focused on basketball. And Tay's such a good kid that the other kids look up to him and like him. And, he, you know, he's not cocky. He doesn't have a big head. I mean, he'll carry, when we get off the bus, he'll carry things in, you know, even now as a junior. So he doesn't try to act like, you know, he's this five-star recruit, which he really is. And I think I think some, high, some college coaches need to look more at him. I know PFW's offered him. You know, but I, I think he's kind of holding out. He'd li- he would like to see maybe a couple more basketball offers. I really, I really think if he got some more basketball offers, then maybe it could be a chance. Yeah, I, don't, go back, I don't. I can't figure it out. I mean, I see him being recruited for football, but he sure has a good time when they invite him to come to a basketball game. And uh, and so I, I don't know what his future is going to be. It's going to be a, a decision for him uh, that he'll have to make. But I, I just happen to think about that because I believe I saw him. Uh, at a Purdue game, and I thought, you know, I wonder if that ever gets to be a distraction where he's got, you know, a high school basketball game, then immediately got to turn around and go and visit a college and then come back, and everybody probably wants to know, hey, what'd you think? And um, But it's good to hear that from you, Coach, that good kid, stays humble. Uh, you always love to hear that, especially for a, a kid as talented as he is. Hey, best of luck on Saturday. We look forward to the game. I'll get a chance to be there and call it. And uh, and best of luck to the Northside Legends. Okay, thanks, Brett. Yep, that is uh, Gary Andrews joining us on our guest line. And, uh, you know, that is, I mean, that's what you want in one of your star athletes is a kid that's humble, that's willing to understand uh, the impact his actions have on others. He's not acting like a prima donna. Carrying the equipment, which really hit at home, because when the Mastodons had John Conchar, that was exactly the way he was. He was the one that always went to the managers, asked if there was anything he could carry out to the bus. He would load the bus. Uh, You know, you would never know that he was going to be a future NBA player making 30 million bucks. Uh, And so that's what you love to hear. And, um, you know, quite honestly, it'll be interesting because I think everybody assumed that this was going to be a kid that went on to college to play football. And maybe now he's thinking, I like basketball. I We'll have to follow that because that I don't know if that was breaking news, but to me it was uh, kind of eye-opening that Gary Andrews kind of indicating that maybe Tay Johnson is hoping to go somewhere to play college basketball. Uh, we'll see what the, the story is. But again, Northside takes on Kokomo and Flory Madunga coming up this Saturday night, 7 o'clock in Logansport at the Berry Bowl. We'll be there with the coverage starting just before 7 o'clock this Saturday on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. High school basketball brought to you all season long by Indiana Physical Therapy. We'll take a time out. We'll come back on this special edition. It has to be considered a special edition because it's such a special time today in between sessions of the Big Ten Tournament. We'll come back right after this on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 
Back on the Sports Rush, your daily local sports picks. Four to Glad to have you with us as we uh, actually take you up to 6.15 today. So it's a little bit of a misnomer to say we're the sports, sports fix 4 to 6 when it's actually 4.30 to 6.15 today. Uh, but everybody adjust their clocks. We're on Brenda time. Uh, that is my wife who, if you tell her 4, it will always be 4.30. So that's what we're doing today with the sports rush. Right now, in fact, uh, we're, we've been behind all day, so why is now any time different? A few minutes behind, but we are pleased to welcome to the show from Parkview Sports Medicine. It is Eric Dute, Dute Kevich. Dute, how are you doing on this Thursday? I'm good, and I'm glad that you told me that you were a little heavy off the top there. So uh, keep that in my mind, Eric. <laughs> well, the uh, we we just keep uh, we keep running a little late, but anyway, <laughs> let's all good. Let's talk about, uh, well, first, before we get to high school, I want to talk about the Big Ten tournament because I'm sure you've got an eye on this tournament. And now the matchup is set. Your Purdue Boilermakers have Rutgers. And, I, you know, I don't know what Rutgers team you get because this has yeah. been a Jekyll and Hyde Rutgers team. They're scary because you look at their personnel and you look at what they can do really well is defend on guards and force you into uncomfortable situations on the perimeter. That is a weakness of Purdue. This this could be a test for the Boilermakers tomorrow. Yeah, it certainly can be. And, and you know, they you know Rutgers beat Purdue at Mackey earlier in the year, handing the Boilermakers their first loss. So, you know, I think for, for Purdue, now that that matchup has set, you know, it's something that they probably have kind of kept their eye on. But Rutgers, like a lot of teams in the Big Ten, are, are – are, uh, a team that can really get hot when the time is right and really cool off when the time is not so good. And, you know, Rutgers, I think, has lost, you know, five or six or something like that coming into the Big Ten tournament. And uh, But today, you know, they were down at half and come back second half, hold Michigan, I think, like three field goals in the second half. And so a really good showing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, it, it, Rutgers is a tough challenge and has been for a number of years for Purdue, whether it's been on the road or home. And I think uh, tomorrow for Purdue, that quest to show what really they are nationally starts with that Big Ten game. Um, and and you've got to get things going if you're Purdue just to really uh, kind of hit that reset button. It's a new season for everybody, and, and Purdue's got to try to show that tomorrow. What do you think so far? Four games in, the lower-seeded team has won all four of those games. Coming up next, we've got number 10, Penn State, against number 7, Illinois, and I'm not counting the Nittany Lions out. In fact, I've got, I've got the Nittany Lions winning this game in hostile territory in Chicago. Uh, but that kind of shows the parity of the conference. Yeah. And I, I guess it also leads to the question for you, dude, is, is this a particularly weak big 10 conference this year? Uh, is that why we have so much parity is there aren't real strong teams? Yeah. I mean, across the board, you probably could say it's a weaker conference because you just didn't have that, you know, five or six teams in the top 25 come the end of the year. But also, too, I think the 20-game schedule over the last couple of years has kind of lent itself to teams beating up on each other. And so, the uh, you know, when you had, what, seven teams or something like that with eight losses in the last week of the season battling it for the two-seed with eight losses, uh, it, it, it really made for uh, some wild trying to figure out who goes where. But uh, I think it's just the way college basketball is in general. I mean, it you know, 
the blue bloods and things like that just aren't as as winning like they used to, I suppose you could say. Uh, but I think that that is a testament to the conference that you got some really good teams. You know, Rutgers getting in the uh, in the NCAA's a couple years back for the first time. Northwestern finally broke their their drought in that as well. And so you've got some some teams that really can play basketball in the league and some great coaches as well. And and I think that bears itself out with the with the with the conference that you have. Let's turn our sights on high school basketball. And, of course, there are no Vegas lines for this week's regional in Logansport. Uh, just some rump lines, but I'll give those later. But uh, when you look at these these two teams that advance in Class 4A, Wayne and Northside, uh, it's great to see some new blood having some success. It only makes the SAC better, and it's exciting for both these teams, both their coaches, uh, even though they could possibly be both underdogs if there was a line going into Saturday's games. Yeah, this is really great to see, you know, Wayne and Northside. This is the first time in 13 years where two uh, Fort Wayne community schools have made it past sectionals together in the same season. Of course, Northside, we've seen some relative new success with them in the last couple of years. They went down to state in 2017 and, and uh, got to regionals in, in 2018. But for Wayne... First time since 94, they get the sectional championship. Their last regional comes in 1981. Um, so this is huge for both of those schools like it should be, but especially for a place like Wayne. They, their fans have been with them all year. This team just continues to find ways to win, and it all starts with Javon Lewis Jr., two game winners during sectionals, and Wayne is playing you know, a 20-win season heading into regionals where I think they really do have a shot against Noblesville. Noblesville comes in with the cloud of being Noblesville and having a tough uh, schedule and, and being one of those teams north of Indianapolis. But, um, you know, this is the, the type of ball that Wayne is playing right now is what you want to do in this tournament time because, yes, they, they score a lot, 65 points a game, but they've also had to rely a little bit more on defense down the stretch to get where they are today. You mentioned that Wayne's last regional title was 1981. Any idea, dude, who they might have beaten to get that regional title? I did see that. (laughs) According to my stats, it was, I believe it was the Concordia Cadet. That's right. It was was, uh, Mr. Rump on that team. Mr. Rump was one of the uh, players that suffered the L that night at the hands of Wayne. But I'm I'm somewhat relieved to know we really wore the guys out because they never came back and won another regional uh, since then. So. Uh, but no, I remember that well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think that team, I think that team went in the Wayne Athletics Hall of Fame uh, just a couple of weeks back. So it's it's perfect timing for really what the generals have been able to do, and and they've just been a team to watch all year, and it's been fun. And believe uh, it took them that, that long ride. to put them in the Hall of yeah. Fame. They've got to win over the rump, <laughs> the rumpsters. Uh, but uh, yeah, I remember. In, in fact, I will tell you that was the old two days and or two games in one yeah. day. And uh, we were not a real deep team at Concordia. And Wayne pounded DeKalb in the first game. So they rested almost all their starters the second half. We had been uh, grinding it out to the finish. And the second half of that game, we were up by three, I think, at halftime uh, against Wayne. And then the second half, I think they beat us by 30. 
it was just a, a terrible, terrible second half performance as we ran out of gas. But uh, that was a fun year back in 1981. All right, so uh, so we've got uh, Wayne versus Noblesville. Who do you pick officially? Who do you like in that one? I'm going to still roll with uh, Wayne. I, I think they've got enough what it takes to, in the tank. I know Noblesville, you know, is is found their way. Um, First ever meeting, it appears, between these two teams and, and first sectional for Noblesville since 2010. But I like Wayne to, to win that game, to get their first regional in, what, 42 years. That's how long it's been, Rumpy, 42 years. Well, you don't have to remind me of that. I enjoyed talking <laughs> I enjoyed talking about it and going down memory lane. I just don't have to know how long ago it really was. But let's talk. And by the way, I was not a senior, so uh, I'm okay. not as old as everybody's doing the math figuring. I actually was a junior on that team. Uh, now let's talk about Northside Kokomo, man. Well, we know Kokomo uh, we know what the the story is when you play Kokomo. We just talked to to Gary Andrews about it, and it's all about uh, the big man, Flory Badunga. I think is how you say it. I've heard different pronunciations. I'll go with Badunga until they tell me something sure. else. But uh, one of the top recruits in the country, one of the tallest players in the country. He's going to really uh, it, it'll leave Northside with their hands full on Saturday. Absolutely, and, and Kokomo is one of those teams too that this is a, a really good year, one of the best years that they've they've had in a long time. You know, they go back to back in the sectionals and, and and looking to go back to back in regionals. Fourteen wins down the stretch, but yes, Flory Badunga is the guy that that is you know gets a lot of attention. I mean, just a few weeks ago, Matt Painter was at the Huntington North sectional. I think Jawan Howard from Michigan stepped in there for one game, and so a lot of people come to 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 see this kid play um and what's great about it is on the other side with north side you got a guy like tay johnson who you know is is lit the world on fire as far as recruiting and football he's you know fantastic basketball player as well so within the matchup is that matchup of badunga and tay johnson and uh you know that should be fun too where those two guys can really really uh uh score and and score quickly and and 82% 82% field goal for Flory Badunga. <laughs> I think ultimately Kokomo proves to be too much for Northside. Uh, but what a great rebound of the season for the Legends it's been. Uh, I just think the number five Wildcats with a K are just a little too much. I just think I would shoot that same percentage if I got 75% of my buckets on slam dunks because I think it's... Well, that helps too. Yeah, that's you know? it's an insane number. And I know, I, I know you do know how it feels for Badunga. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've been okay. a, that high flyer in the Nerf Hoops game for a while. <laughs> What's new with Parkview Sports Medicine? The seasons are changing. What's going on? Yeah, you know, as, as season changes, winter sports wrap up, spring sports just getting ready to heat up. Uh, great time for a lot of those athletes who may not have a whole lot going on to, to start with our uh, Parkview Sports Medicine Edge program, our performance training classes, individualized training uh different sports, different abilities, different levels of play, um, and just a great opportunity to get better at your sport or sports that you play, um, and really a, a, a custom-made schedule for you just when it's convenient for you, especially these times. So for more information and to check in on a free consultation to get started, just go to parkviewsportsmedicine.com slash performance. And, of course, the big question, Duke, did you have Friday night plans this week? Uh, 
depending on the snowstorm, I might just be uh, sitting here. But uh, yeah, with no show this week, uh, it, it's kind of nice. There, it, you know, there are some perks to that. You know, with the show hitting its season finale. But as of now, we're just going to kind of see what the weather holds and, and kind of go from there. So, especially when you got kids who go to bed at seven thirty, you know, it's like okay. <laughs> well, dude, enjoy the Friday night of freedom. I will call it, uh, and we appreciate you jumping on with us. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Take care. That is Eric Kevich joining us on the guest line from Parkview Sports Medicine and uh, breaking down his picks for the high school sectional or high school regional coming up on Saturday. And, of course, we've got the broadcast is uh, Indiana Physical Therapy presents high school basketball this Saturday night. Seven o'clock tip for the Northside Legends and the Kokomo Wildcats. I'll be there with all the coverage starting just before seven o'clock. Join us here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Plenty more still to come. We're on until 6.15, so don't go anywhere. We're taking you up until the start of the Big Ten tournament coverage from Compass Media Networks. So we've got bonus time coming your way at the top of the hour. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Check the clock. What is going on? The Sports Rush still on the air after 6 o'clock. It's bonus edition Thursday. We go until 6.15 because the Big Ten Tournament will resume coming up in about 13 minutes from now. We'll join Compass Media Networks for coverage of the Big Ten Tournament. We've got Penn State, Illinois on deck. And then later tonight, Minnesota with a surprise win over Nebraska last night. We'll take on Maryland and, of course, Maryland is the team that I thought was the sleeper pick. Rayville Davis picked Nebraska. We might both be one and done if Maryland gets knocked off by Minnesota and both of our teams will be beaten by the same team. So it would not be a good look for Rayville Davis and I. But uh, we'll see what happens tonight. And uh, you can get all the Big Ten coverage right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hey, speaking of tournaments... There was a buzz going on last night on social media about conference tournaments that are one-site tournaments where everybody comes in, plays at one site. Now, we've experienced both scenarios where you do have early round home games and then you converge and play the semifinals championship down in Indy and the Horizon League. But we've also had, when the Mastodon spent all those years in the Summit League, where the Summit League has all their teams come to Sioux Falls and play one tournament Everybody at the same site, both men's and women's teams. And I see the pros and cons of both. And so I started to think, what would be the ideal scenario for the Horizon League if they were able to make changes to this tournament? What would work out that you put on a great tournament, fun for fans, be worth the trip into Indy for four or five days? Because... The problem in the Summit League with having the one-site tournament is it's at Sioux Falls, and you have a tremendous home court advantage for South Dakota State, and in somewhat South Dakota, because those tickets are gobbled up by South Dakota State fans. And so if you play the Jackrabbits in the tournament, and the Jackrabbits always have a good basketball team, it's tough, because they put... Eight nine thousand people out of the twelve thousand seats, and uh, and you're basically playing a road game, and the Mastodons experienced that number of years. So, 
the Horizon League, it's not like IUBUI is a hostile territory to go down and play this tournament. It's still primarily, even though it's IUPUI's home court, nothing against the Jaguars, but their program is not at the same level of South Dakota State right now, and the fan base, nothing like what you see in South Dakota. And that's because South Dakota State is basically the IU of the state of South Dakota. The two big schools in South Dakota are South Dakota State and South Dakota. And they're both about an hour or less from Sioux Falls. And so it'd kind of be like playing Purdue, Indiana, and then inviting the rest of the league to come in and play in Indianapolis. Definitely a home court advantage. But I don't think you have to worry about that in the Horizon League. So I don't think you have to play the home games uh, to have an advantage for the teams that have the higher seed, I think you can you can work out scheduling and different things where you can take these teams into Indianapolis because there is nothing, nothing like the atmosphere and environment of tournament energy for everybody all at one site. I mean, you've got game after game, all high stakes, always someone winning, someone advancing, someone losing, someone going home. I mean, and it is fun to be able to sit there and watch game after game and see the winners, see the losers, come back the next day. Everybody's at it again. You can see the women's games. You can see the men's games. So I came up with a schedule that I think is ideal for the Horizon League, and it still keeps them on the Tuesday night championship. Uh, I I think the, the first round, which this year had the number six seed playing the 11 seed, seven playing 10, eight playing nine. I think that's fine for Tuesday, and you can play it on campus. Get it to eight teams before teams show up in Indianapolis. And you do that for both the men and the women uh, on Tuesday. Okay, then on the men's side, uh, you would then advance to, uh, to Friday where the men would open up at noon with the number one seed, of course, who's had a bye, the number one seed playing whoever has survived from the opening round. At 2.30, you'd play the four and five. At six, you'd play the two. And at 8.30, you'd play the three. That means each team, one, two, three, four, and or one, two, three, then four and five would all play, depending on who the opponents are going to be as decided upon the Tuesday games. But this would all be in Indianapolis. So it would be a huge event. Thursday, you could have a big banquet with all the teams that have made it to Indy. You start on Friday, and the men would even all have practice times. Starting at 7 a.m., they'd have 30 minutes of court time if they chose to use it to be able to get on the court before they play their Friday opener. Then on Saturday, it's Women's Day in Indianapolis. And you'd have 12, 2.30, 6, and 8.30, all for women, following the same format as the men do on Friday. Meanwhile, the men get a day off. So the men don't have to play back-to-back. Then uh, on Sunday, you'd have the men's semifinals at 6 and 8.30, You'd have Monday women's semifinals at 6 and 8.30. And then on Tuesday, a 4 o'clock women's championship and a 7 p.m. men's championship. And maybe you'd have to go 3 and 7, 
but uh, the championship games could both be played then on Tuesday. Now, what would that mean? It'd mean that teams for the men would arrive as early as Thursday and be there through Tuesday. But remember, most of the universities have spring break. So it's not like you're missing a ton of class. And uh, for the women, they would start their play on Saturday and wrap up on Tuesday. Full day of men's basketball on Friday. The 1, 2, 3, and the 4, 5 seed all playing on Friday. Then on Saturday, it's Women's Day with the 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 seed all playing. And, and again, I've got all practice times even calculated in here to make sure there's court times for all the teams that remain. Then on Sunday, men's semifinals at night. That gives you a day where you can have fan fest, you can have alumni meetings, whatever you want to do. Uh, because that's the big thing that goes on at the Summit League tournament is uh, all types of, uh, you know, sightseeing and people enjoying the day down in uh, Indianapolis or in Sioux Falls. And so just having the men's semis Sunday evening and the women's semifinals on Monday evening, everybody that's going to spend four or five days in Indianapolis has time to go out and enjoy outside activities and take in what Indianapolis offers. Maybe they go get a tour of the Indianapolis 500 Motor Speedway, uh, whatever it might be. But uh, And then you come back, and on Tuesday, you have both your championship games. I, I mean, tell me, I should not be commissioner for a day. This is perfect. All day Friday for the men, all day Saturday for the women, uh, Sunday, men's semis, Monday, women's semis, Tuesday, championship games, still on ESPN. All in favor, say aye. I don't have anything wrong with it. Just say aye then. You want to come back tomorrow? Say aye. Just Let me see. Do I want to come back tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, maybe you want to Friday <laughs> off. <laughs> hey, I think it's a good idea you got going, Brad. I mean, I'm I'm certainly no expert. There's there's a certain atmosphere when you bring all the teams together in one site. I mean, yeah, and you would you would definitely know more about this than me. Well, right now it's two days. Yeah, you go down to Indy and you play on one day and you play the championship the next. It's not an event, you know, like like the Big Ten tournament. That's like five days, you know. It's a big event that yeah. hits hits Indianapolis Wednesday to Sunday. And this, yeah, and you know, this would then be show up on Thursday. Women's teams could arrive on Friday, and you'd have everybody there through the weekend on into Tuesday for the championship game. I like it a lot better. Uh, I think it works. Uh, but anyway, that's my thoughts, and that's just you know bonus segment that we had a chance to throw in here on. Uh, on the Sports Rush. Of course, we've still got a lot of basketball on the way. We've got Big Ten Tournament Basketball tonight. Penn State, Illinois. I'm taking the Nittany Lions. And I'll take them with the points, but I do like Penn State to have a chance to knock off Illinois. Adam, your pick. Yeah, give me the Nittany Lions. Give me Seth Lundy. Oh, you're going to take the Lundy. Uh, oh, you know I'm going to take the Lundy, Brett. <laughs> Let's go. Minnesota, Maryland. I got Maryland. Give me the Gophers. Oh, you're going with the upset special. There my, you go. My Cinderella Gophers. Enjoy basketball. Tomorrow we're on same kind of time sandwich in between the sessions of the Big Ten Tournament. Thanks to our guests that appeared on the show today. Gary Andrews, coach of the Northside Legends. And, of course, Eric Dute, Dutkevich from Parkview Sports Medicine. That does it for us on this Thursday edition. Snow coming. 
That's your PSA for the day. It's a sports rush at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.